you know, an estimated 66% of women that are in caregiving roles, they're female, uh, average age is 49. We're providing 20 hours a week or more of unpaid care to whether that's kids or, or parents. And the value of that informal care, right, hold on to your superwoman capes, <laughs> is between 148 to $188 billion. Hey there, I'm Ani Michalski, wellness coach, therapist, and mom to half a dozen amazing kiddos. This podcast is for moms who desperately need a break but refuse to take one. You know who you are. You have a jam-packed schedule and you're so busy doing everything for everyone else, you don't leave any time for you. What's up with that? Well, no more. Take off your superwoman cape and learn how to put yourself on your to-do list. This is the Moms Without Capes podcast. Hey, did you know that there's a Facebook group filled with Moms Without Capes? Women who are learning that it's safe to take off the superwoman cape and take care of themselves? There sure is, and we'd love to have you in the group. Moms Without Capes is a free community for moms who feel overwhelmed, stressed out and exhausted from trying to do it all. Come discover who you are under that cape and give yourself permission to show yourself some love. Search Moms Without Capes when you're in Facebook or follow the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. See you there. We have here today on the Moms Without Capes podcast, a special guest, Stacey Luces. Welcome to the show, Stacey. Thank you so much for having me. And I, as I was telling you earlier, I love, love, love the name of this podcast, Moms Without Capes. I can't wait to, to dig into this with you. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming. So today's guest, Stacy, is an international speaker, a trainer, master strategist, author, and a certified executive coach who is dedicated to helping other executive women and business owners reduce stress, find joy, and build the life of their dreams by conquering fears of failure and feelings of uncertainty. She's had quite the journey herself, which we'll hear all about in this interview. And today, Stacy and I will be chatting about the challenges of the sandwich generation, those moms who are taking care of both their aging parents and their children. And we'll be discussing some, some strategies, it's like a tongue twister, to help <laughs> ease the stress that comes along with all of these responsibilities. But before we dive into that, Stacy, let's go a little bit more into your journey and what brought you to be where you are today. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned the sandwich generation. So there are nearly 10 million adults over the age of 40. Uh, and most recently, um, the latter part of their 30s, that in addition to taking care of our young children, managing all of the things that come with a hectic life, right? Building our careers or managing our businesses. But we're also coming up on the other end of that uh, spectrum where we are also bearing the responsibility of taking care of our aging and in many cases, ailing parents. And so there you get that sort of sense of the crush um, and all of the responsibilities that come along with that. Um, in my case, definitely. So I'm in my 40s. <clears throat> I won't say how far along in there. <laughs> it's okay. We <laughs> celebrate age. <laughs> right? I'm telling you. Um, but definitely, you know, we can all agree caregiving is important and necessary. And women, I feel like for centuries, have been bearing sort of the, the lion's share of that um, and often being overlooked in the workforce in terms of the amount of uh time that takes away from us. Um, for me in particular, having a high powered career, 
you know, I didn't have my kids until I was in my early 30s. Um, and so I was also running a business and having to take care of my parents, totally felt overwhelmed, stressed, um, and just not myself. And that had been going on for quite a number of years. And I was definitely wearing the Superwoman cape. <laughs> so that's why this podcast resonates with me, right? And so a couple of years ago, um, you know, I'll take you back a little bit. I lived in Maryland at the time. Um, it's about 7 a.m. I'm in the urgent care with my sister, um, Amy. And you know it's bad when the urgent care calls an ambulance for you to take you to the emergency room. And so in my case, long story short, I was rushed into emergency surgery where I flatlined twice. So I like to say essentially died and, and came back to life. And I know for sure um, that I ended up there because I was stressed, overwhelmed, dealing with um, you know, all of the challenges uh, financially, emotionally, uh, time management wise, um, feeling like my to-do list was a mile long every morning. Uh, putting everyone else above my needs. And in my cases, it took almost took the ultimate toll. And so I realized, um, you know, if I didn't do something drastic, I wouldn't live long enough to really see my kids who at the time were three years old and 18 months uh, grow up. And so it was a huge wake up call for me. Uh, I had ignored all the warning signs. Um, and, you know, you asked me about some of the positives that came out of that. Well, it took a few years for me to really regain um, full kind of physical and emotional um, like control, right, over what had happened. And I really began to search for things that could help me rebuild, not only, um, I shouldn't say rebuild, but almost recreate what I wanted my life to look like. Uh, it entailed, you know, um, a move from DC, where we had lived for about 20 years, to Florida, so I could enjoy Kind of where I lived and not wait till I retired. Um, people thought we were crazy. <laughs> I, I you know, I launched a business on the side that I was passionate about. I totally lost a bunch of weight that I had been, you know, yo-yoing over for quite a number of years. But the best part was I really actively worked with coaches and sort of invested in myself for the first time. And so you regained a lot of peace of mind, a lot of clarity around what I wanted to do with my future and created uh, boundaries, which, you know, us in Superwoman Capes don't have any boundaries. Don't have any. <laughs> it's no, like, no. who's next in who I need to help fix, yes. uh, do something for. Um, and really, my journey uh, inspired me to become um, a coach. For women like myself, I found that there weren't many people focused on the sandwich generation. I felt left out. Um, you know, here I was uh, a, a mom with, with young kids. Here I was dealing with um, aging parents and I, I had no sort of understanding of truly what that entailed. And I was also at a point where my career had fully exploded and dealing with um, not only a sense of, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to handle all of this? But in some cases, holding myself back because I didn't know if I went full throttle, if I would be able to balance all of these things. And so that led to a lot of people pleasing, right? Critical self-talk. I mean, you name it, I was there. And so really the positives were me getting, you know, clarity, confidence, and certainty about who I was and what I wanted to do. 
but also having the courage to, to put that cape yeah. down. That's huge. <laughs> That's huge. To rest it. We become comfortable be, in that. Exactly. But also it's almost like a badge of honor mm-hmm. um, well, when we talk about how busy we are and how much we have to do. So me taking a step back um, and I also stepped down from a fairly senior position at the time. And I have no, you know, no shame in the game. I, I took a huge pay cut in order to start building the life that I really wanted. And I would say within a few years, I was able to, to bounce back exponentially from what I call a setback. And I had a, a mentor once, uh, Carla, she was with the Air Force and she said the best analogy for me. She said, Stacy, sometimes just like a slingshot, you got to go a little bit backwards. Yeah, back. That's true. Gain that momentum to fling forward. And I always keep that visual in my head when I'm struggling with my ego taking control of a decision. What are people going to say? You know, oh my gosh, blah, blah, blah. I really think about that analogy. And I mean, we talked about that almost 15 years ago, but it really stayed with me that sometimes to pull forward, to hugely pull forward, you got to go back. Pull back. I love that analogy. That's great. Right? <laughs> it's so visual. It's, and like, it's so oh, elementary, but yeah. it's so powerful, right? Yeah, that you've got to you've got to take that step back or you've got to expect to be pulled back in order to propel yourself forward into where you were meant to be. And it's almost like that that medical emergency, you know, being flatlined, like the landing of yourself on the on your back was like really that wake up call that, you know, and allowed you to pick out what you wanted to keep from your, yes. your pre-life and to be able to create the life that you want to be living. Cause I love, I love the word pre-life. And I feel like I've told this story many times and I've yet to meet someone that had a, a near death experience. So I often challenge people to say, you know, I got a second chance. Are you sure you're going to get one? Yeah. Yeah. Right. You got to kind of make the most of it and, and pull back to spring forward. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And really create that line yourself. Like, okay, now this is like, what is it the saying? Like someday or, or yes, I can't even think of day one or one day. Yeah. The book I hated the most in high school was waiting for Godot. I don't know how many of you remember that book. I hated that book. I I did not read that. (laughs) What is the point of this book? Why are we waiting? It's so repetitive, but really Mm. when I meet with new clients and I ask how long have you been thinking about whatever problem they're struggling with and they're like oh you know four or five years and I'm like oh so if we meet in a year from now or two years from now do you think you would have solved it and you get that kind of shock look because time is moving whether we're adapting changing or not it's moving sure yeah so let's dive into the sandwich generation tell us a little bit more about that and and where you find yourself in there and like, what are you finding are the biggest challenges? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a data girl, right. My past life. Uh, so I've worked in big corporate work for IBM, Bank of America, Brian Stanley. Um, most recently I worked for the department of Homeland security for 15 years. Um, I quit that job in December. But <laughs> <laughs> again, I was crazy, but you know, I really, uh, I really set up a, a runway to do that and walked away from a federal career, a six-figure job that um, was giving me stability, but there were things I wanted to do and and I had to make that that call. Um, I do believe that 
it's important for us when we talk about the standards regeneration to really quantify what's happening, right? And from a health perspective, I'm not the only one. You know, an estimated 66% of women that are in caregiving roles, they're female, uh, average age is 49. We're providing 20 hours a week or more of unpaid care to whether that's kids or, or parents. And the value of that informal care, right? Hold on to your superwoman capes, <laughs> is between 148 to 188 billion dollars annually. That's mm -hmm. billion. Right? Yeah. The cost of caregiving on our individual female caregiver, um, in terms of lost wages and social security benefits, is about 324 thousand dollars, and that's because about a third of us are passing up on a promotion or a training assignment that may take us to travel or have in, inconsistent hours. 22% uh, of us, so almost a quarter of us have taken leaves of absence for different okay. reasons. Also, a lot of us now, and we're noticing this great resignation or whatever, but about 20% of us are switching or have switched at some point from full-time to part-time work. And so in terms of the overall financial impact, on our um, future and what we're trying to do, it certainly has um, a compelling, you know, a little bit of a rub there. From yeah. a health perspective, you know, I talk about myself. I'm, I'm not the only one, right? One in five caretakers between the ages of 18 and 39. So that's even on the younger end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Say that stress is always present. Right. And in my case, it was always. I'm surprised present. it stopped at 39. Yeah. I mean, I think it did, right? It probably gets worse. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so there's a negative impact not only on that, but socially, we are also more isolated because we're foregoing any time for hanging out Social. with our friends. Yep. Right. We're sort of running home to do all the things. Uh, greater increases in depression, mm -hmm. less personal mastery because we really don't have the time to do things outside of like normal. Yeah. And we've got a lot of health problems ranging from not only anxiety and depression, but we're more at risk for high blood pressure, more at risk for sort of, um, I call them that triad of, of your cholesterol is high because you're probably eating not the way you're supposed to right. on the go, running, right. Yeah. Probably running a few, uh, pounds or dozen pounds overweight. And that mm -hmm. has added implications on our heart and body. Um, and honestly, I, this was a, not a bit of a surprise. I grew up in Gen X, <laughs> you know, you came home and you fended for yourself, right? Like a lot of us grew up like savages. Like we, <laughs> we grew up on our own. Right. And right. I think now we're seeing this post uh, pandemic um, impact to our children where they are suffering from anxiety, social awkwardness, like a lot of uh, unwillingness to engage in extracurricular activities. Um, and so because we are so busy, we actually are parenting less because they're on social media, they're on their electronics. Right. So they're self-sufficient to a point. They're self-sufficient to the point of being maybe too independent, but also not having um, the, the coping mechanisms or right. strategies to really have true connection, um, have an understanding that, hey, this dopamine hit isn't going to last. 
how do I um, uh, self-soothe, self-manage, ask for help? Uh, and it's a, even though we're connected, I feel like we are less connected than ever. So it really has a lot of implications from finance to wealth to um, parenting to navigating elder care. Um, so it, it's a lot. That was yeah. a lot. Of study. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it is a lot. I mean, I've never thought about it as much as what you just laid out and how all of this caretaking is taking a toll, not only on us, yeah. but it definitely has that ripple effect yeah. and is affecting, you know, all of, all of the generations. I'm reading a book now and mm. it's called screaming on the inside. Oh, I've about heard about that. You're the second person. Really good. I just, I'm doing it audible. I'm all, actually almost done, yeah. but it was all of it. And since you're a numbers person, the stuff, yes. It did. It was very stat heavy, especially in the beginning of it, but it talks all about American motherhood and it mm -hmm. takes you through like the pandemic. So it's like a newer book and mm -hmm. just the effect of like how it has changed through like, they goes from like colonial America to like now and like the effect, like just on like from culture and like the society, the society's like interpretation of motherhood how mm -hmm. mothers have changed how parenting has changed like mm -hmm. it's so it's very interesting I, I recommend it but just I, I love just sharing it was weaved in and out of that book mm -hmm. just about the stress the increased stress we're feeling and and everything like there was a lot that you just said and you know one could argue um that oh how come I've never heard of the sandwich generation why is that coming up now and if we look back to your point about how we've changed through the decades or, mm. or so, um, 50 years ago, our parents were having us at age 20. Right. 25. So they were young parents with, and their parents were probably in their 40s. Right. So our age. Yeah. Now we've waited till we're in our 30s and 40s sometimes to have children. So we're yeah. dealing with elementary school, middle school in our forties and fifties sometimes. And right. our parents are now to your point, time marches on. And so, <laughs> and a lot of them didn't plan for what's happening, living longer, right. but having comorbidities, maybe high blood pressure, diabetes, and another thing. Mm -hmm. And healthcare is more expensive. And so you've got this really brutal complex thing that's happening where more and more of us even millennials are being pushed into the sandwich generation right. and we're kind of like oh no what's happening um right. without true the true ability to really uh manage it properly and we're also not asking for help because we're like i should be able to bootstrap this yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? <laughs> and we're finding that that's not working that's mm -hmm. not working because it's, it's no. landing like it did you right on your back in the hospital yeah. Yeah. we know that there is power in building strong habits in your life but sometimes making them stick can be the tricky part habits are at the core of creating a life where you feel fulfilled and able to be your best self Learn how to transform your health, your life, and yourself by downloading my free guide, Building Strong Habits. The link to grab your guide is in the show notes of today's episode. With all of these challenges that the sandwich generation faces, what are some strategies that you would recommend or that you find have been helpful in order to limit these challenges or to overcome them? I will tell you that 
uh, many of us, Gen X, Gen Y, even, we really are self-sufficient to a fault. <laughs> yeah, so, we do not like to ask for help. Oh, yeah. We, we will try to do it ourselves. ourselves. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to like yeah. Google, Google it. We will Google you know, it. <laughs> I'm going to figure this out on my own. And for many, many years, in my case, I was trying to not only achieve my highest personal and professional goals, but do these things myself. And, you know, I had a lot of reasons why, right? Maybe later when the kids grow up, because I had, you know, I've got to worry about college and I've got to worry about retirement and all of these things. I don't have time to invest in myself to figure this out. You know, uh, the other, I want to say myth we tell ourselves is I don't have time. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to have a lot of time if you end up in a hospital bed, right? Right. With something bigger going on. Um, everybody needs me. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you can look at yourself in the mirror and really admit that you're tired of feeling tired, or in many cases, uh, you know, people say, I don't have a partner. Maybe true love does exist or great friendships do exist or having um, a life outside of work does exist. You just, it's not a priority for you. Right. And then all of these excuses really tumble into, um, okay, okay, how do I find help? For me, it entailed a lot of uh, really hard reflection and self-discovery. And I went the gamut from, you know, a life school, a life coach to an executive coach to a, a, a business coach. And really my program is a blend of all of these because I find that I couldn't do one without the other mm-hmm. given my circumstances and the challenges I was feeling. It wasn't just a career thing. It wasn't just a, a life thing. It wasn't a weight thing. It was all of these complexities that I just needed a holistic way to approach this. I would say that if you are in this crunch, um, you know, best thing to do is, you know, we always hear the term, oh, improve your work-life balance. So hard to do. I think the first thing is what are your boundaries? You know, we laughed and we said, we don't have any. Right. I think that if you are coming to the table with an empty cup, you know, pretending you're Jesus and, you know, let's just create wine from (laughs) water. That's hard. And so understanding what your values are, sticking to what those core values are. And then if things and requests and demands don't match up to those, then it's okay to say no. Right. And it's okay to say no to your kids. It's okay to say no to your boss. Right. Right. Figure out where the boundary lines are for you and and maybe communicate those. An example, I say this and it's like a common um, example, but it, it resonates with so many women. If you needed to use the bathroom, at, say you have seven Zoom meetings and at Zoom meeting number two, you had to go to the bathroom and at Zoom meeting number six, you still haven't gone. Yeah. That's like massive. That's a problem. <laughs> massive. Not counting yourself. If you've been thirsty since 9 a.m. and it's like 2 p.m. and you're like, oh my God, I should have, like, I have my water right here. Right. My goal is three of these a day. I don't always succeed, but they're right in front of my face. Mm-hmm. So a way to a way to kind of do this is a priority for me is to remain hydrated. And it's a simple thing. Right. Right. So how am I equipping myself to do that? Well, every morning I fill three of these bottles and they're right in my face. They're like, hi, Stacy. <laughs> right. So have boundaries, but also have integrity with yourself. Right. 
And I think that investing in your relationships is important. Like what networks are you a part of? I'm a part of some sandwich generation Facebook Facebook groups. You know, I've got a middle schooler and a high schooler. I, I want mamas that are not only 10, 20 years older than me, decades older than me, but I want people that are in the suck of it. In right. My in the season. Yeah. But also I want to, I want to mentor and be able to help people that have maybe newborns. Right. I mm-hmm. met a cousin of mine in Canada recently. She's got a, a I think he's eight, eight or nine months. And we totally had a long chat about, you know, what I did and what you don't worry about this. And, and right. it felt really great to sort of pass those on. Yeah, to be the mentor. Yeah. And so create support systems for the things that are priorities in your life, because you don't have to necessarily go it alone. And then I would say, um, prioritize yourself. Uh, one of the things I ask people to do, and, and you know, it, it's it's quite transformative. And um, I started asking my clients to, on the first week that we met, if, if, I, if they were in my coaching program, to take guardianship over themselves. And what do you mean by that? I mean that sometimes, not sometimes, many of us, the majority of us will take better care of anybody else over ourselves. Right. And so by assuming that guardianship over yourself, when you think about what a guardian is, is somebody that is in charge of you, responsible for you, has your best interest at heart. And by almost having that ownership of yourself and protection over yourself, you're forced almost to pay more attention. Right. That's true. That's very true. Right. And so I also say journal a little bit about what you observed in your day. Mm-hmm. Actively be present with the decisions that you're making and these tiny little things that you are neglecting, they add up. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like um, a lot of moms need permission in order to take that guardianship of themselves because they feel one, an exercise that I do with my clients is we redefine what it means to be a good mom. We talk about that because so many, so often we think that a good mom is somebody who sacrifices themselves for their family or for their kids. And they put themselves like in the background of their life or on the back burner, whatever saying you want to say, but like, we, we feel like we're not allowed as mothers to prioritize ourselves hundred percent, and we hold ourselves back because of it. And we feel like we're going to be a bad mom. If we do prioritize ourselves, Mm. if we do take guardianship of ourselves, but when it comes down to it, as you and I both know, we're 100% responsible for our own lives. Like there's nobody who's going to be more responsible for our lives than us. And so it is vital that we take that guardianship for sure. For sure. Today's episode is sponsored by the Supermom Detox, an incredible coaching program designed to help moms take off their supermom cape and feel comfortable in their own skin. Have you felt like you've lost yourself since becoming a mom because you got caught up in the idea that you have to take care of everyone and everything else and sacrifice who you are to be the kind of mom you want to be? The Supermom Detox will guide you in rediscovering who you are and getting yourself off the back burner and onto solid ground. This amazing program will teach you how to let go of perfectionism, people-pleasing, unrealistic expectations, 
unhealthy boundaries, and negative thought patterns that are keeping you stuck. Motherhood can be so much more enjoyable when you learn to take care of yourself the way you deserve. Stop feeling guilty or bad about making time for yourself. You are so worthy of taking up space. Find out more about the Supermoms Detox by clicking the link in today's show notes and signing up for a call with me. If nothing else, you'll get clear on what's keeping you on the back burner. So tell me, Stacey, what are, what do you do for fun? For I love fun. asking this question because I feel like so many, so many women, like they, again, yeah. that permission piece, they hold themselves back from having fun. They can't be the do. fun. Um, so I'm from a, t- a tiny island in the Caribbean originally. Um, and I really like music and I like to dance. And for a long time, I wasn't. Decades. Who has time? (laughs) And so really incorporating dancing back. And it's not great dancing, you guys. Don't think I'm like epically going to like for dancing with the stars or anything. It's like, it's like messy, sloppy, like comedian style, like moving awkwardly. Right. Mm -hmm. But the joy that that brings me. Um, and I found ways to like incorporate that into a couple of things. So one, and I guess I'm saying this on purpose, you don't have to have a fun thing that you do alone. Right. So for me, Saturday morning at the Lucis household is we do chores. Like nobody, Saturday morning is not really enjoyed here. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's like laundry and mopping and like bath. It is real life. Right. But everybody gets to pick a couple songs. And let me tell you, some of those YouTube songs that they listen to, I just want to like <laughs> peel my eyeballs off. But everybody picks a couple songs and we all are dancing and cleaning. Even the dog gets involved. Um, I also really like um, um, Zumba. Yeah. So any way that I can incorporate music and rhythm and movement for me is fun. Uh, I'm pretty boring. I love to go on the beach and like lays out and like just read. I don't want anybody talking to me. I don't want to like entertain anyone. So I'm at the point in my career where I can design my work day. And so Fridays I are open days. I do whatever I want on a Friday. So for me, many Fridays you will find me. I drop the kids off to school. I go to the beach. I um, sounds like the life. I'm telling you, as I said, I take a solo location down. I'm telling you, the fact that you get this like all year is like all year. And so let me tell you, some Fridays are, are put on the gas because I've got work to do clients, a big deliverable I'm traveling. So it's not always, but those are my days to have fun. And a lot of times I may be reading client, you know, proposals or whatever, but it is in my happy place. I've got the sun beating on me. I've got the the wind in my hair. That's the whole reason after I died and came back. I was like, I'm going to live exactly the way I want to live because I don't want to be retired. Nothing wrong with retirement, but that was like 2040. Like I I want to do it now. And so when I go and I'm laying there in my forties doing whatever I want to do and I look around, everybody is probably 20 or 30 years older than me. So there's a secret sense of, you know, oh, I'm doing the, you know, but um, yeah, yeah, living I always see you can design your life the way you want it. We just somewhere along the way, we thought we had to like 
not do that. These rules. Yeah. 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 Um, it's funny that you mentioned Zumba because that was part of my journey to taking mm-hmm. off my super mom cape. My friend had kept inviting me to a Zumba class and I thought I, I, there, I was making all those excuses, the same ones you mentioned, right? Like the world was going to fall apart. They couldn't do like they, they couldn't survive for like that hour that I went, my house had to be perfect. The meals had to be cooked. Like I continued to put her off until finally one night I felt like all the stars lined up and <laughs> I went to the class and it was such fun like the the girl energy like it was just amazing like moving my body like it was it was enough reinforcement that the next day I didn't have to have things so perfectly like I still like worried I still felt very guilty but I did it again and continued to do it till I got to the point where I became an instructor and that was really that's my whole journey like what the heck am I doing? Like I was holding on to my super mom cape so tight, homeschooling all my kids. You know, we had moved across the country. Like there was so many things that I was doing because I felt like this guilt and I felt like I had to sacrifice everything and I was not able to prioritize myself. So when you mentioned Zumba, I was like, I love it because (laughs) that was what really kicked me off. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like something has to change because I found that I love dancing. And it was something that I wasn't I giving that. We have that permission to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, the funny thing is you talk about, we design a hard life. Mm-hmm. We do. We think that that's what we need to do in order to, to be yeah. like the, the parents or good parents. That's the catch 22. It's like, oh, I have this existence. And it's like, well, yeah, but these were our decisions. All yeah. of us. Yeah. I'm not sitting here like in a beach chair, like, because yeah. every day. It's a decision to do what I love to do. Yes, it's hard, but also I know that I've put these checks and balances in place that keeps me out of like Mm. hospital bed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So do you have a book that you can recommend to our listeners? Oh my God. So this was such a hard question and we we talked about this a little (laughs) bit. So I feel like, And this is just my belief, right? My experience is that sometimes we go through, we have to go through a really horrible thing to awaken uh, to a different way of living. And in my case, you know, we've heard about my story. I'm sure everybody has their version of that or knows somebody that has this version of a hard life altering moment when they had to make changes and give up in essence, your old self or your, your old patterns, whatever. And for me, um, a book that really, um, I got in my early twenties, but it didn't have the impact on me that, uh, it needed to have was by Rumi. Are you, am I, he's a poet, he's a Persian poet and sort of a Sufi mystic. And it's a collection of short poems, uh, very lyrical. You know, they talk about life, marriage, love, death, Um, And I feel like when I read it, um, it gave me different perspectives and different insights. And I think that the power in that, as is your podcast or podcast people listen to or music they listen to or um, a painting is to have inspiration. Mm -hmm. And and that inspiration um, can be fun. It can be debilitating. It can be, you know, whatever it is. But 
for me, that book really inspired me to think about things differently, specifically love, um, which is my highest core value and how I was approaching love. I'll give you a perfect example. How I was approaching love was because I grew up in a third world country, the way that I would love my family was to provide for them to the best of my ability. So I would work the hardest I could work, become the most successful, get a big fat paycheck and take care of them because that was how I would show them my love. Right. Subconsciously. It's not like I'm walking around. With this right. Plan. Right. I know it's not, you, you did not. Right. And then what the actual result was of me being overworked, tired, traveling all over the country, never really present, always on my computer. Uh, It got to the point where one Christmas they bought ornaments. We bought ornaments for each other as a family. My husband got a motorcycle and I got a laptop ornament. You got a laptop what? Ornament, Christmas ornament. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, like they think all I do is work. Yeah, yeah. And so for me, my core value was still love, but I had to do it differently. I had to put that first and then make decisions from that. Yeah. And we yeah. talked about the, the slingshot. It entailed me right. taking a position that was a demotion, a pay cut. Right. In order to improve forward. your quality of life. Yes. But springing forward. So none of these changes in my life weren't without its own sacrifice and inspiration mm-hmm. and different perspective. But some of those poems at that point really encouraged me to just keep going with it, keep following my intuition. Um, and there's my favorite quote. Um, it said, yesterday I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today I am wise, so I'm changing myself. Oh, I like that quote. Who, who said that? Do you know who said oh, that? For me. It's from oh, okay. Minute. Okay. That's from that. Okay. Yeah. I really like that. So where can listeners find you, Stacey? Sure. So I'm sure you're going to post this with um, everything, but they can find me on LinkedIn with my name, Stacey Lusas, or my website is Evolution Executive Coaching. And from there, you know, Instagram, everything um, kind of the same. Okay, perfect. I will put all of Stacey's links in today's episode in the show notes of today's episode. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing with us your wisdom. And one thing for listeners, um, so I've done this quite a few times and it's always met with um, great results. On my website, there is a complimentary needs assessment. If you are wondering, am I in the sandwich generation? Do I need help? Am I where I need to be? It's a free assessment that really gives you a quick gauge and asks you some really significant questions about where you are and and more importantly, where you want to be. And then, so if you feel so compelled, I also offer a free complimentary clarity session where you come up with a couple of actions after about 45 minutes of us chatting um, that jump starts you on your way to a little bit more freedom. Awesome. All right. Yeah. So definitely reach out, check out her website, check out that needs assessment. That all sounds so amazing. So, all right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Moms Without Caves podcast. I'm always up to hearing your ideas for future episodes, so send me a DM and let me know. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would be awesome if you'd leave me a positive review wherever you're listening to podcasts these days. Until next time, take care of you. You are worth it.